Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hi everyone, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports, episode number 23, here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. We've hit 23 episodes, LeBron's number, it's Jordan's number, we're working our way up uh, towards 50, towards 100, we'll be doing this a long time. Got a lot to get into today here on the show. Going to start with some NFL news uh, revolving around Dak Prescott. Then we'll talk about uh, some basketball involving Myers Leonard and that whole horrible situation that happened this week. Get into that. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's leaving the San Antonio Spurs. He's now a free agent. Where will he end up? We'll reflect a little bit on the anniversary today, the 11th, of sports being canceled. Crazy that it's been a year since Rudy Gobert touched the microphones and sent the entire NBA uh to essentially just stop for four months. Never anything like that in history of sports before and maybe never will be again. Crazy moment in history, a one year since then. And then we'll do our second episode of the uh, state of sports in a specific city. And I'm gonna be focusing on Seattle today. So that'll be our second edition of that segment. We did Houston last week and then I'll be talking all about where professional sports are in the Seattle market uh, today on the show. So let's begin with Dak. Now. I've said this many, many times before about Dak Prescott. He's won me over a little bit in the last year or two, but I'm not a huge fan of Dak Prescott. Never have been. He's a good quarterback. He's not a franchise superstar quarterback. He's just a slightly above average NFL quarterback. He's like right around number 10 in the league, maybe 12, something like that. He can win you games. He can get you to the playoffs, but he can't win you a Super Bowl unless there is an elite talent around him. He has to be a supporting piece on a Super Bowl team, not the piece. And with his new contract, and I know everybody saw it came out on, I think Monday night it was, $160 million for the next four years, $40 million averages out to per season. It's a lot of guaranteed money. There's a huge signing bonus involved with this. And so it's a risk for the Dallas Cowboys. They were going to have to franchise tag him again if they didn't reach this agreement this week. And so it ends up working out for the for the Cowboys and for Dak. They'll be together for the next four years. Dak will have been a Cowboy for like nine years by that point. And it's a good thing for both sides. This has been a long saga, two years of this, and finally it's done. But and this is this is something that I've I've really never done on the show before. Typically when I when I do segments, a lot of the things that I talk about, they kind of come to me, the opinions come to me right as the news breaks. I don't have to think about it. It just sort of is in my head and, all right, this is my opinion on it. I don't have to validate it over the course of multiple days. It's just there and it's how I feel about it and it's instant. With this DAC thing, though, it took me a couple of days, like maybe yesterday was when I really thought about it. And I sat long and hard and I, I realized that there's a lot more to this contract that's actually bad for Dallas than I originally thought. I thought this was, you know, a unicorns and rainbows it was it was good but it's not there's a lot more to this than just the fact that Dak's going to be a long-term franchise QB with the Cowboys um and the reason is they can't win a Super Bowl unless they win it this season I believe that their Super Bowl window will close with Dak Prescott under this new contract after 2021 and here's why I say that if you look at the money, and this didn't come out till a couple days after the contract was signed, was uh, officially agreed to, and so this this is all more breaking news in the last couple days. The cap hit on Dak 
is this year, because of the salary cap gymnastics and the signing bonus they gave him and whatnot, he's only going to be $22 million, uh, as a cap hit this year. He's making $9 million as a base salary, but when you throw in all the, the signing bonus, it adds up to like $75 million in the first year. It's great for Dak. He won this whole side of the negotiation. But the cap hit for the Cowboys is only $22 million. So it gives them some extra, uh, some extra space to sign some extra free agents. 2022, that number leaps up to $33 million on the cap hit. 2023, it's $44.2 million. And then the final year, it's $47.2 million. So this thing jumps $25 million over the course of the contract. And Dak only counts more against the Dallas Cowboys salary as we go on. So they get a bit of a bargain with him this year at $22 million, And then after that, it's, it's far higher. And... So it would, it would seem to me that if the Cowboys were going to win a Super Bowl and be great, this would be the year to do it. Dak's a little bit cheaper, right? So you're getting him at a bit of a discount. You play in the NFL's worst division. This division is going to be awful again in 2021. You have bad quarterback play across the division. No other team knows who their franchise guy is, who's going to start for them this year and beyond. Daniel Jones is the Giants guy for now, but he, said he hasn't proven anything through two years. Washington has no quarterback right now. It's Taylor Heineke, and that's it. Maybe they'll make a trade or something, but they don't have a quarterback right now. And the Eagles, is it Jalen Hurts? Is it going to be Nate Sudfeld maybe? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to make a trade? What's their plan? Dallas is the only team that knows that at the bare minimum, they're getting a top 15 quarterback, let's say. And Dak has a ceiling to be better than that. He could be a top 10, top 8 quarterback if he's playing really, really well. But they're the only team that even has somewhat of an answer to their quarterback issue. And so Dak's on a discount, bad division, bad quarterbacks. They probably have the best roster out of all four of the NFC East teams. And here's the other thing. Dallas, their biggest problem the last couple years has been signing good players to great contracts. Jalen Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper last year. Uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, the defensive end, they have signed good players to contracts that they just simply are not worth. And so if you look at their at their cap, if you look at their situation, there's like six or seven guys that take up the vast majority of their space. And so they don't really have a lot of room on the fringes to make significant upgrades outside of those core seven or eight guys. And this year they're getting Dak at a bit of a discount and those contracts, which everybody already thinks are terrible, like the Demarcus Lawrence, like the Zeke Elliott contract, they may only get worse if you move ahead two, three years. And I didn't really think about that when Dak signed this thing on Monday. I didn't think about it. I just thought, all right, Dallas needs a quarterback. They need to solve that issue, and they're going to be good for a while. I'm not so sure about that because this division is only getting better. The quarterback play that's just horrendous right now can only improve. The Eagles are either going to find their guy or they'll move off somebody and, and improve. Same thing with Washington. They're going to find someone at some point. And the Giants, they're either going to have Daniel Jones and he's going to evolve into a franchise quarterback or they're going to have to start over at that position. So it's only going to get better from here. And those bad contracts that the Cowboys have are only going to worsen as the years go on and their money gets even more expensive. This is the Cowboys' year to win. Here's the problem, though. They don't have enough when it comes to actually competing in the NFC. This was a team last year that, with Dak, was 1-3 to start the year, and they were a miracle onside kick away against Atlanta from being 
They just missed the playoffs. They played in the worst division, maybe in NFL history. They're not that good. They had injuries last year. They're still not good. They haven't nailed it in the draft. They don't have a lot of money to spend. And even if they did get a bunch of helpful players and, and they won the draft and they aced it there with, you know, pick another great player in the defense and improve the offensive line, even if they nail it this offseason, they're not Green Bay. They're not Tampa. Uh, in, in the NFC, they're not the Rams. They're probably not San Francisco if San Francisco is healthy. Seattle, I'll get more to them later. They're probably not going to be as good as Seattle. The Bears are lurking. The Vikings are usually pretty good. The Arizona Cardinals are significantly improved this year. Even if the Cowboys this year are far better than they were a season ago, and they should be with Dak Prescott. When Andy Dalton was in there, they sucked. When Ben DiNucci was the quarterback, they sucked. When Dak's the quarterback, you can win. But even if they do win the division, even if they do win 9 or 10 games this year, let's say they do, can they really beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with that loaded roster? Hell no. Can they beat the Packers? No. Could they beat the Rams? No. And if they even got to the Super Bowl, could they beat Kansas City or Buffalo or Baltimore or Pittsburgh or Cleveland? No, they couldn't. So this is where the Cowboys are now. They are stuck. They had a good quarterback making great quarterback, historic quarterback money. They've got good players making top five at their position money at a number of different spots. They play in a bad division, only getting better. They play in a bad quarterback division, only getting better. How can they win after this year when Dak's cap hit spikes from 22 to 33 and then to 44 million? They have to target this season as their Super Bowl window. And after that, it might close. And I just don't think that they even have a Super Bowl window this year because they don't have enough relative to the rest of the league. They were too awful last year. They were historically bad on defense. One of the worst defenses in recent history in the NFL. Can they improve that much in one year with a new coordinator? Can they improve that much in one year to then vault themselves back into the elite class of teams? I don't think they can. So I'm happy for Dak. He's going to be a cowboy for a long time. He's finally going to get the money he deserves. I've always been on the pay Dak train. I always thought it was the right thing for for Jerry Jones to do. Uh, Dak has hit every benchmark that you really need to hit as a young quarterback in order to get a, a, a second contract extension, or a first contract extension, I should say. He's won a division. He's won a playoff game. He's been at the playoff multiple times. He's a great leader. He has a good arm. He's respected in the locker room. He's done everything that he needed to do to get this contract. The problem is they don't have enough around Dak. And when I, and I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning of the segment. The Cowboys need great players around Dak Prescott to win a Super Bowl. They don't have great players, and Dak is very expensive. They might be stuck in the middle, and... I don't really think there's much that they can do about it. So I want to switch gears over to the NBA to talk about a really unfortunate incident that went on earlier this week regarding an NBA player and some really inappropriate comments he made uh, on the internet. So Myers Leonard, he's been in the league for like 9 or 10 years, a veteran center. He plays in Miami now, was in Portland for most of his career. He, He went on Twitch earlier this week. He was playing video games. It was a live stream, some violent video game that I've never heard of and don't play. And he said that he mentioned the word, it's it's an anti-Semitic word. I'm not going to say it here on the podcast, but it starts with a K. You probably all heard of it. It's a horrible word. You can't say it to Jewish people. It's just terrible. And he said it, and it slipped out, and it got out there, and it was put on the internet. 
and he has gotten crushed for it, deservedly so, uh, this week. It was a racist comment. It's an anti-Semitic comment. You just cannot say it ever in any circumstance, but especially in 2021 in the climate that we live in in the world right now. It's just it's not acceptable. Can't do it. And he said it, and he is going to pay the price for it. He was fined by the league. He was sent away from the heat for at least a week to just be away from that whole environment uh, with an NBA team. And he has to take some sort of a diversity course. Uh, the NBA told him he had to do it, and he will get involved. And I bet there will be other things he probably does regarding the Jewish community on his own. Going forward, he'll probably do some events to just help himself and to educate himself on the topic. Um, and, and he apologized after he said the K-word, and he said he didn't know what the word meant. He said he had no understanding. It was a word that he just slipped out, didn't know what he was really saying. And I believe him, to be honest with you. Um, I've always thought of Meyer Leonard, Myers Leonard as a pretty good guy. I think in the league he's pretty misunderstood, and I'm not saying it's necessarily his fault, but that's just sort of the reputation that he has earned. He's a, a little bit misunderstood, and I'll get more into that in a minute. But um, yeah, he deserves to be crushed for this, and I hope he does everything that he needs to do in the future to learn about the Jewish people and to learn about other minorities out there that maybe he doesn't know enough about where there are certain things you cannot do and certain things you cannot say to offend those groups, and he obviously crossed the line, and, and that's all I'll say about it. But uh, he is misunderstood because, and this has actually led to some of the criticism he's gotten this week, as it's sort of like proof. In the summer, during the NBA bubble, he was one of the headline players because, and if you'll remember, a lot of the guys in the league were kneeling and uh, protesting the national anthem. He was the only guy on the Miami Heat that did not. He stood up, he had his hand over his heart like any other player would, um, and he was the only guy in the Heat, and I think one of the only guys in the whole league, if I'm, if I'm right on that, to not sit. Uh, and he said the reason was, I think he had family in the military, he uh, said he's very, very patriotic towards the country, and he just didn't feel it was the right thing for him to do. Now he got judged by a lot of people very, very hard for that. He was criticized heavily on Twitter, uh, over the internet, people were calling him a racist, people were saying he wasn't supportive of his own teammates, and that's not the case. He came out and he immediately said, I'm going to stand because it's what I feel is right for me, but if you're a teammate of mine or a coach or any other person you know, involved in the NBA and you're kneeling, I have no problem with that. That's how you want to express yourself and I totally sympathize with the groups who have been oppressed in this country. It's completely the truth and he has stood by that since. I actually have the same opinion on this issue as Myers Leonard. I think that I would be conflicted. I'm not sure what I would actually do in that situation if I was a pro athlete, but I think I'd be conflicted. But if someone else kneeled and I stood, or if someone else stood and I kneeled, I would have no problem either way. I think whatever you feel is the best to do as a person and, and the group that you're representing, that's cool for you. And if you don't want to do what someone else does, then you don't have to. Um, I think it's totally up to you. It's your own prerogative. And Myers Leonard took that approach over the summer, and he was criticized for it, but I don't think it was the wrong thing. I think he actually was in the right to, to say what he said. Um, but it has led to some of the criticism today, uh, and this week too, where people have been like, well, look, he was a racist back in the summer. He's a racist now. I'm a Jewish person. I've had family who have been called that word. I've had family who have been kicked out of countries. I've had family members that had to escape from the Nazis back during World War II. 
there's a history in my family as a Jewish person of anti-Semitism. It's just the facts. And so I'm sensitive towards these sort of things. And when I heard that Myers Leonard said this word over uh, the, the Twitch live, I was really frustrated about it and I thought it was horrible. But I'm going to take Myers Leonard at his word. I'm going to trust that he didn't know what he was saying and that he's going to own up to it and that he's going to do whatever he needs to do to make it right. And I think that's good. I think that's how you actually make progress in a sort of situation like this. Um, we saw a situation over the summer, it was back a, new, a number of months ago, where right as the whole Black Lives Matter thing became really popular in our culture today, Deshaun Jackson put out something that was clearly anti-Semitic and it was backed up by Steven Jackson, the former NBA player, and people were critical of them too. And it led both of those guys to sort of learn what they had said and to make right on it. I hope the same thing happens here for Myers Leonard because I think he's a good guy. I think he's slightly misunderstood. I think people don't really know his intentions always and they sort of pin him as this target that he doesn't deserve that label. And now he's being criticized for something he clearly messed up on. I think he understands that. And I'm hoping that his mistake ultimately continues to lead the conversation towards supporting minorities in our country. Uh, Jewish people are a minority, just like African Americans are a minority, just like Asian people are a minority. Racism is not just towards one group of people. There, are, there can be racism towards a number of different groups, and Jews are one of the main targets to, uh, of that. And so hopefully this, this pushes us forward. I, I'm really disappointed in Myers Leonard. Like I said, it was horrible to hear. As a Jewish person, I was just deeply offended, and, and he should be ashamed of himself. But if this ultimately leads to growth in the NBA and in sports culture, I think that's really, really important. So that's my opinion on the whole Myers Leonard thing. Um, I was upset. I am upset. But I think we can actually progress from this, and maybe it turns into somewhat of a good thing. All right, we'll be right back here on the show. We will get to Marcus Aldridge, and then we'll talk about Seattle and the one-year anniversary of COVID destroying the sports world. Be right back. Belly Up Sports has recently partnered with Manscaped because proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools. Not only do men's sensitive areas require it, but hygiene demands it. Get all the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Head over right now to bellyupsports.com, and at the top of the page, click the Manscaped image and shop. Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. That's the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. Hey guys, welcome back. SOS episode number 23 here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Uh, we are on Apple Podcast. We are on Spotify. And we're looking into possibly expanding with our video, with video content to start live streaming the episodes. Uh, I think that's something that we'll, we'll look to do in the near future. And as soon as we sort of figure out what route we want to take, I will obviously make that clear to you guys and, and you can follow us live, I assume, through those platforms, whether it's Periscope or maybe a Collide, something similar to that, we want to be able to have you guys see what I'm talking about. And those will be uh, good platforms in order to help with that, and we will uh, be back with more information on that coming soon. Uh, moving on, continuing with the NBA, LaMarcus Aldridge was hurt and out of the lineup for much of the season with the Spurs. And I guess it got so bad, the relationship between the Spurs and LaMarcus, I'm not really sure exactly how, but something must have happened, and he is parting ways with the Spurs. He will be a free agent. They're buying him out. Uh, it's a mutual parting of ways, and he can sign with any team he wants to. Now, LaMarcus Aldridge is in his mid-30s now, 
He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's made seven All-Star teams, five All-NBA teams. He's a career 20-point-per-game scorer, essentially. He's averaged 23 points in his career, 21 points another year, 22 points another year. This guy can score like very few others. And he's got the mid-range shot going. He can knock down threes. He's a great post-up guy. And at 35 years old, he can help a team as a backup big guy on somebody's bench. He's been a starter for the Spurs since he signed there like five or six years ago. His first season there was 2015, or 2016, I should say. And he's been a big help to the Spurs ever since. But I guess they felt it was time for him to move on, help, help a championship contender, and become uh, a bench guy in what looks like the next phase of his career, maybe as uh, a useful piece in somebody's second unit. Um, so I'll talk about a couple of different fits that I think LaMarcus Aldridge could go to. Now, it's funny because with the other guys who have been bought out so far this year, whether it's an Andre Drummond, looks like he'll become a free agent, a Blake Griffin, signed with Brooklyn, it seems like there's only a few teams that those guys really want to go to. Blake signed with the Nets. They look like the championship favorites. Drummond looks like the favorite for him is the Lakers at this point. They're the co-favorite, I guess you could say, the Western Conference favorite. And there's a few other teams. The Clippers, um, maybe a team like Milwaukee. There are only a few teams that have been very uh, very talked, about, very much talked about, I guess you could say, as potential destinations for the buyout guys. LaMarcus Aldridge, though, doesn't, to me, really fit the typical destinations. I think he's going to have to find a different place for him to go. And he just doesn't fit the teams that I just mentioned. He doesn't fit the Nets. They don't need a guy who's 35 and is pretty groundbound at this point in his career as another backup power forward. They just signed Blake Griffin. The Lakers, they have a bunch of power forwards. They have LeBron. They have AD. They have Kuzma. They have Montrezl Harrell. They don't need another big. The Clippers, they don't really need another big right now. And if they did, I think they'd get somebody who's more of a vertical presence than a LaMarcus Aldridge. He has to find somewhere else to go. And so there are three teams that, to me, definitely stand out as the best places. Number one is the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are by far his best fit. The Boston Celtics have been looking for a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge for like two years. They have been in on Al- on not Al Horford, sorry, Paul Millsap every time Paul Millsap uh, was a free agent. He was just a free agent this summer, and they heavily pursued him, and they wanted him. They didn't get him. He went back to Denver. They wanted him. LaMarcus is pretty similar to what Paul Millsap gives you. He's tough. He's physical. He's in his mid-30s, a former All-Star, a terrific player, a guy who will challenge for the Hall of Fame. And at this point, just gives you some physicality, some shooting, uh, some defensive instincts, and he's a great locker room guy. He fits the Celtics perfectly. They need some size. They don't have enough size. And even if he came in as a bench piece to play 20 minutes a game, LaMarcus Aldridge would really help Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They don't have enough size. I just said it. Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams, it's not enough. And to at least get a guy at six foot ten who can make shots like LaMarcus, it would work. The other two teams that came to mind for me, Denver. It's sort of funny that I just mentioned Millsap. He's in Denver. They could use a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge off of their bench. They lost Jeremy Grant in the offseason. He went to Detroit. He's having a career year. And Jermichael Green has been pretty good for them as a backup big guy, but they could use some depth there. If he went to Denver, they'd be going to, he'd be going to a playoff team, a team that was in the conference finals last year. And Jamal Murray and Jokic could really use all the help they could get 
a sweet shooting big man is not the worst option, especially for a guy who's as talented and has contributed as much as LaMarcus Aldridge has. And the other team is Utah. Uh, Utah has a ton of talent. They are really, really, really good. They're the best team in the league at this point. But I think they could use another piece, and he might be the answer there. Uh, George Niang is sort of the comp that I would think of when I thought of the Jazz roster. A big guy, he's pretty groundbound, not not the athlete you're maybe looking for, but just knocks down shots and plays really hard and plays defense. George Niang is essentially that guy, just younger and a lot worse. So if Aldridge could come in, he could fill that role. He could probably take some minutes away from the backup center now, Derek Favors. And Aldridge could probably fit in as maybe the backup center to Gobert or just a backup big guy who could play either power forward or center. Uh, and he could probably play alongside Gobert too in some in some lineups. They could use an extra score. They're in need of some offense and Aldridge would fit them. It's funny that those teams aren't really at the forefront of the championship, ta- championship chase. The Lakers, Nets, Clippers, those are the, to me the three teams. Milwaukee also. Uh, Philly maybe too. But... I don't think he fits many of those rosters, and he'll have to find another another spot, probably in a smaller market if he doesn't go to Boston. And just a place where he can finish out this season and maybe stay for another couple of years if he wants to continue his career. But he is having, I mean, relatively a productive season with the Spurs. He's only played 21 games, but he's still averaging 14 points a game. He shoots over 50% from the field. So... I mean, that's his whole career, essentially. This year, he's just slightly below 46, but he's been a 50% shooter for most of his career. And if he can be open and make shots, I think I think it's it's a good fit for most playoff teams. This is a guy who's instant offense, and he'll help no matter where he goes. And his defense, it's not what it once was, but he'll still know where to be. He'll be in the right positions, and he's a great veteran leader and a guy who, like I said, going to the Hall of Fame. Anytime you can get a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame on your roster you're probably doing something right. So that's my thoughts on the Marcus Aldridge. Um, And again, he's just going to be a really helpful piece to whatever team he goes to. Moving on to a really, really fascinating topic. Today is March 11th, which means we are one year away, or one year removed from maybe the most monumental sports day of my lifetime for sure maybe of sports ever, if I'm being totally honest on this. When COVID struck the United States last year and struck the whole world right right along with it, sports was one of the things that was first to go. And on March 11th last year, it seemed like as a sports fan, the universe had just collapsed and the world was ending. Rudy Gobert had contracted the coronavirus. They were supposed to play the Thunder. They were stuck in Oklahoma City's arena for hours. Nobody on the Jazz knew who else was sick. None of the Thunder players knew if they were sick. Everybody got tested. And finally, after that whole situation got resolved, and this was an hour-long pro- hours-long process to test everybody and, and make sure everyone was confined and safe, the NBA were like, okay, we can't play anymore. Let's cancel the season. So they postponed the season. And they came back four months later in an Orlando bubble, something that I still can't fathom how they got away with it and made it work. And then you look at the other sports that were being played at that time. Spring training was happening in Arizona and Florida. That all got shut down right away. College basketball, which was about to have its March Madness tournament, 
only the biggest college event of the entire year for sports. That all got shut, shut down right prior to the tournament during the conference tournament season. That got postponed. And sports will never and have not been the same since. It seemed like the whole world collapsed. I just said it seemed like the universe was ending. And sports did not come back in the way that we loved it anytime during 2020. It hasn't come back yet during 2021 in the way we love it. And who knows if it will ever come back in the way we once knew it. There are still very few fans in any sort of sporting arena or, or stadium. In college football, there were some people in some of those stadiums, especially down south, but it wasn't full. In baseball, there were no fans last year. In the NBA, most teams have some fans. Very few teams have a lot of fans. None of the arenas are even close to being filled. And in baseball this year, there's only one team so far that we know is going to have a full stadium, and that's the crazy Texas Rangers. I don't know how in the world someone thinks that's a good idea, but I guess it's Texas. I'm from New York, so I can't relate to it. And they're going to try and fill up uh, Globe Life Park in Arlington at 100% capacity. We'll see if it works. I doubt it. It's probably going to be super spreader. But sports has not come back the way we once knew it, and who knows how long it's going to take. I'm just hoping that at some point in the next year or so, we can have full venues with 100% capacity, without masks, where everyone can stand online and wait for the bathroom and go and get some food and cheer for their favorite team and not have to worry about getting sick or, or wearing a mask or taking any social distancing protocols. I just want to have a regular life again. And I think so does everyone else that's involved in sports and loves sports. Um, but I remember that March 11th day and the day surrounding it very vividly. I was told I couldn't go back to school. My brother was told he couldn't go back to school. We didn't know if we were gonna be able to go to work for like my parents or anyone that we knew. Who knew what was gonna happen if I could ever see my friends again, if we were ever gonna have sports again. It was, it was just crazy. And the unknowns that were thrown at us within just a couple of days, something I've never experienced before or since. And with sports, I'm just hoping, like I said, hoping that it will one day become normal again to not have to wear a mask and to just be to be a fan like we used to be. It would really mean a lot to so many people if we could get there soon. And with the vaccines, you know, it, it looks like we're getting closer than we have been at any point in this past year. So we're getting there and it's, it's happening slowly but surely. Uh, but just to think that this was a year ago already when the NBA shut down and I mean, it's just, it's just a wild thought that it's been 12 whole months since that day. We'll be right back. Uh, we'll finish up the, the episode today with our second edition of the State of Sports segment, where we talk about any sports city and get into all the different teams there. So we're going to talk about Seattle today. I did Houston last week, on to Seattle this week, Pacific Northwest. We'll be right back. And again, crazy that it's been a year since COVID started. I don't know how this is possible, but here we are. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company, proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price, in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air roasted, 
100% money back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Welcome back, episode number 23. I'm Noah Schwartz here for Schwartz on Sports. I'm going to finish up the episode today with our second ever State of Sports segment. Did Houston last week, on to Seattle, and we'll talk about one of the cities I've actually visited, and it's a great sports town. I went to a Seattle Mariners game when I was there. I got to see uh, Lumen Field, as it's now called. It used to be called CenturyLink Fields for the Seahawks. We walked past it, looked very, very cool, didn't go inside, but it was the offseason, so we couldn't we couldn't see it. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that. We'll, I'll get into that entire city and, and what it's about uh, sports-wise. So let's start with the Seahawks. They're the most prominent team within that town. Uh, they've made eight playoffs in nine years since Russell Wilson got there. That sounds great. And they've won a Super Bowl with Russ. They've been to two. It seems like it would be a really great time for Seattle fans to be rooting for their football team. I'm not sure if they could ever have foreseen this happening, what's happening right now. This last year for them has been a nightmare. They were one of the better teams in the league each of the last two years. And despite that, despite that being the case, they can't seem to stay out of out of the headlines off the field for whatever reason. And I think most of it stems from Russell Wilson's unhappiness. And his unhappiness is warranted. And I think if he wants out of Seattle sooner rather than later, I wouldn't blame him one bit. I've talked about it on the show before. Pete Carroll, sort of like a control freak at this point. John Schneider, sort of like a control freak in his own right at this point. And they seem very, very unwilling to give Russell Wilson, the franchise quarterback, the superstar, the future Hall of Famer, top 15 player in NFL history, to actually get a real shot to speak his mind. It's stupid. Other quarterbacks out there, I've said this before, Mahomes, he has a lot of say, whether it's play choice or maybe some um, personnel decisions on, on the draft. Tom Brady, you know that he's been involved in what Tampa Bay has been doing to make their draft picks and, and just build that roster the way that they have. Why don't the Seahawks let Russell Wilson do that? And for so many years, he was, you know, go Hawks after the end of every interview. Go Hawks. Never said a bad thing about the organization at all. And I think at this point, nine years in, he's found his confidence to say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I've gotten hit more than any other quarterback. My offensive line stinks. Our defense has got severely worse. Our team can't draft. And we're not good enough to win the Super Bowl right now. They've proven that each of the last two years. They won a playoff game this year with... Uh, they lost. The, sorry, they lost their first playoff game this year with Jared Goff with a broken hand. So they're just not good enough. And the defense has been terrible at times. The offense has been uh, pretty weak at other times. Nothing's clicked for the Seahawks in the last couple of years in terms of winning big playoff games. And that's obviously where you're judged if you're Russell Wilson. So it's, it's not been a pretty sight with the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're on the cusp of blowing it up. I think Russ is, is pretty much done with, with it there. And I assume he'll be on a different team sooner rather than later. So despite the eight playoffs in nine years, despite all the winning, despite the Super Bowl, despite the two conference championship wins, I'm sort of of the opinion that this era of Seahawks football with the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson is pretty much over. Maybe they've got one last gasp in them, but I think we're much closer to the end of this thing than the beginning of it, and it's pretty unfortunate because they've won a ton of games uh, over the last decade. Uh, With the Mariners, they're the other pro team that's there right now. 
The Mariners are in the midst of a 19-year playoff drought, so that speaks for itself. They suck. Uh, they're in the a- they're in the AL West. It's not a great division. Hasn't been for a while, and they have no chance of winning it. They actually had a pretty good season a couple years ago. They had like 86 wins. They still didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the wild card, and so the playoff drought continued. And then they each of the last two years, they have been atrocious. Um, and I think it's sort of the thing where they keep trying to rebuild the team and, and see how they can improve it, and everything they try just blows up in their face. I'm not really sure it's for a lack of trying, but it just hasn't worked. They paid Robinson Cano the big contract. They kept Felix Hernandez for a very, very long time. They had Ichiro. Like, they had stars. They had big names, and they tried, but it just didn't ever come together to work. And it's not even like they've been to the playoffs and they've just flamed out early or they've been a contender and it just didn't happen for them at the end. They haven't made the playoffs in 19 years. I was just born the last time the Seattle Seahawks made, or the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs. I was just born. They won 116 games. It's the all-time record for a regular season in 2001. They lose that year to the Yankees in the playoffs. The Yankees go to the World Series, and they haven't made it back since. I was like four months old when that happened. So that just goes to show you how, how much of a struggle it's been for the Mariners. And like I said, it's not for a lack of trying. They have made some smart moves, and they have spent big money at times over the course of the last two decades. It just It just hasn't come together. It hasn't worked. And... And I think for Mariners fans, they're going to look at their 2021 prospects and just say, okay, we're going to be bad. But then they have to look at what their farm system has and how they might be able to significantly improve quickly, and maybe that'll make them feel a little bit better. Jared Kalenic, a former Met prospect, one of the best prospects in the game of baseball right now, he's going to be a stud, so you have that to look forward to. You have Julio Rodriguez, you have that to look forward to. There's a lot that excites Mariners fans right now. It's just most of it isn't in the big leagues yet. And I think the other thing that excites Mariners fans is whatever the losing culture has been within that organization just got completely exposed a few weeks ago. I did a segment on it. Kevin Mather, the CEO, said some of the worst possible comments you could make in a professional sports setting. Got fired for it. Isn't back with the team anymore. Maybe all of that negativity that was in that building and in that organization starts to escape as Mather once Mather left, maybe it'll turn everything around and they can start winning again. But they have an opportunity to be pretty good rather soon. So they haven't been a good team. They're not going to be a good team this season. But in 2022, 2023, 2024, maybe they're building towards something. That's the only positive I can say for the Seattle Mariners. Then I'll talk about the Seattle Supersonics. They're not a team right now, haven't been since 2008. They are now the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm hoping, and I'll get to this in a second, that the Supersonics return to the NBA soon. Seattle is a great sports city. I said I've been there. It was really, really cool. And that was a great franchise for a long time. They were in the finals. They won a championship. Like, this is a team that, this is a city that I should say, that deserves to have a team. And they won a lot when they were in Seattle, the Supersonics. They were good in the 70s. They were really, really good with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and got to the NBA finals in 1996 played the Bulls they were really really good with Ray Allen when he was there in the early 2000s they won a lot of games and Kevin Durant played his rookie season there when he was just coming out of the University of Texas as the number two overall draft pick and then they moved on so I hope Seattle gets a team back I think it's something that's really feasible and something that the NBA is going to look into soon COVID was a big hurt to the NBA but if they're going to bring back a team and see if they can jumpstart some revenue just by bringing in an expansion team, 
Seattle might be the best place in the first place they look. We'll see if it happens, but I would bet on the next maybe five years or so a team returns in the NBA to the, to the Seattle market. And then another reason for why that is is because the Seattle Kraken are now a thing. In the NHL, the Seattle Kraken, they are now a team. They're coming as an expansion team in 2021-22, so that's the end of start of next season, I should say. They will be in the, in the NHL. They're the newest team in the league. And I fully expect that basketball follows in their footsteps. That's another reason for why I think the Supersonics are on their way back. The Kraken, it's a really cool sports team name. I didn't really know what it was at first, but I looked into it and it's pretty cool. It's like a mythical creature sort of a thing. And they built an arena for them. It's for hockey right now. They could obviously use it for basketball if a pro team was there. And maybe that will happen soon. I think Seattle's a burgeoning market. There's a lot of smart people that live in that city considering the amount of tech and businesses that are there. Um, and sports would be attractive in any market that makes a lot of money and obviously has prominent organizations and companies that are there, that are based there. Starbucks is one. So, but it's just a matter of whether they can get those teams back playing, specifically the Supersonic, get them back playing. Hopefully the Kraken start out well as an expansion, expansion team. And then with the Mariners and, and Seahawks, they're sort of in reverse situations right now. The Seahawks are good, look like they're probably on the decline. Mariners are bad, look like they're on the incline. We'll see if they can manage that and, and figure their way through it. But I like this. I like the prospects of Seattle going forward. I, I like what that city has to offer, and I think there's no reason why they can't be a successful sports sports market with four teams that are there playing in the four major leagues. All right, so that's going to do it for me here on episode number 23. Thanks, guys, for listening. Check back for more content coming real soon, and I hope everybody has a great weekend. Peace.